the title for my message this morning is Seriously, with a question mark at the end of it. Uh, but before we go into that, I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second. Uh, let's read Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 together. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Uh, I was stopped for speeding a couple of months ago. Uh, I was on my way into Kakana on County Road CE down there, and there's this section there. That it slows down from 55 to 45 to 35, all within 200 yards, you know, and there's a little speed limit signs right along the way to show you, you know, so... They're making it very clear they want you to slow down. And, you know, that day my mind was elsewhere. I'm just kind of tooling along and doing my typical 65 uh, on the highway. And uh, then the flashing red lights in my mirror. And I knew I'd been busted. Uh, well, the officer was really nice to me. He was firm, but he was a nice guy. He said, sir, did you see the sign to reduce your speed to 45 out there on CE? Uh, yes, sir, I did, and I am sorry. Well, and then I suppose you didn't also saw the, the sign that reduces your speed from 45 down to 35. Yes, sir, I did, and I'm sorry. Well, he let me off without a warning. You know, but he didn't have to. I just blew it. And the reason why I'm sharing that with you today is that in some things, some things, I'm a very quick learner. Now, typically on the road, I got a lead foot, but I learned in that section of road that day, you got you to gotta let off the gas, man, because I know that guy is out there looking, waiting for me to come through one more time. And so I learned my lesson. I'm taking the speed limit signs in that part of town seriously. <laughs> Jesus and the Apostle Paul were not naive when it came to human nature. They understood that there were certain things that they said to us that needed repeating. Wives, you know what that's like. Take out the garbage, take out the garbage, take out the garbage. You know, we men, we've got to have things repeated to us. And Paul and Jesus the same way. They knew we're all like that. It's human nature. Yeah, got to repeat some stuff. And so Paul said, hey, it's not a big deal. I don't mind saying this to you again, Philippians, because what I'm saying, it's important, and repetition is for your benefit. Pastor Mark is taking us through the Gospel of Matthew verse by verse, and already we've been hit between the eyes a few times with some of the words of Jesus. Pretty hard stuff. We're only six chapters into Matthew, and we've already heard very blunt No compromise statements from Jesus concerning things like lying and cursing and adultery and hating and judging, worry, hypocrisy. Wow. So what I'd like to do this morning is take us through, just in the Gospel of Matthew, since we're there already, something I call the repetitions of Jesus. 
He repeats himself in other Gospels also, but we're already in Matthew, so we'll just stay there today. Now, it's one thing when we have to repeat ourselves to somebody. It's another thing entirely when God repeats himself to us. Wouldn't you agree that when God repeats himself, it's probably because it's important? So let's take a look. I found 16 places in Matthew 16, where Jesus repeated himself when he was teaching. Now, that does not count the occasions when he was telling someone like, go and sin no more, or shh, don't tell anybody what I did for you. That was one-on-one stuff with people that was never repeated to the same person. This is different. These are teachings that he gave to a group of people. They were truths for then, for all people, for all time. So we can take those, those 16 instances in the Gospel of Matthew and apply them to ourselves. It's okay. So, uh, here we go. We want to focus on these teaching moments when Jesus was speaking to more than one person and these principles apply to us. So I'm going to read them through quickly. You don't have to take notes or anything. Don't follow on the screen because there's a lot of them. But I'm 16 places and I'm just going to kind of detail and then we'll bring it all down and condense it in a second. Matthew chapter 6, chapter 10 and chapter 12. He says this thing. You are worth more than... Fill in the blank. Sparrows, sheep, etc., etc. Trying to get across to us, we're important to God. Matthew chapter 9 and 12. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Matthew 10 and 16. If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow. Matthew 7, 12 and 15. A tree is known by its fruit, and out of the abundance of one's heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 and 16. The religious leaders demanded demanded that Jesus give them a miracle or a sign as proof of his messiahship. And his response was, here's your sign. Matthew 11 and 13, he who has ears, let him hear. Matthew 14 and 17, don't be afraid. Matthew 16, 6 and 11, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, meaning religious hypocrisy. Matthew 5 and 18, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye if either one of them causes you to sin. Matthew 16, 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Matthew 19, 20, the last will be first, etc. Matthew 7 and 21, if you believe, you will receive. Matthew 10 and 24, those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Matthew 5 and 24, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. Matthew 24, 25, keep watch. You don't know when the master will return. And finally, Matthew 13, 25, whoever has will be given more, and whoever doesn't have, that will be taken away. Those are places that Jesus repeated himself. So condense it down. This is what you get. Seven things. First of all, mercy and love. God says to us, I'd rather that you be merciful. Merciful people understand that they are worth more than sparrows and sheep and flowers. Therefore, they see human worth and they are quick to forgive. Mercy and love. Number two, don't be afraid. This speaks for itself. Over 300 times in the Bible, God says to us, fear not. Number three, you have power from me, says God. So believe. You can believe because I've given you the power to do so. Number four, take up your cross. Stand firm. Keep watch over your life and over the lives of those who are entrusted to your care. In other words, excuse me, in other words, there isn't anything That is more important than this. Everything else comes from this. Take up your cross and follow me. Five, a tree is known by its fruits. And bread is known by the yeast that is used to make it. 
So be careful as to the fruit you are producing in your life and watch out for the yeast of hypocrisy. Six, the last will be first. Whoever has will get more. Whoever, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And as Bill Engvall says, here's your sign. In other words, if God is touching you in some way, pay attention. If God's calling you some way, pay attention. If He's blessed you in some way, pay attention. He may not do that again. Do not despise the grace of God. And don't keep asking for a sign when God has already given it. And finally, number seven, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye, do whatever you have to do to avoid sin. Repeat. Do whatever you have to do to avoid sin. Repeat. Do whatever you have to do to avoid sin. When Paul the Apostle was getting ready to leave Ephesus for good, he gathered the elders in the Ephesian church together and he said this to these guys. I know, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard and remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you, each of you, night and day with tears. Three years of repetition, three years of teaching, three years of trying to get his point across. He did not stop He just kept bringing it home and bringing it home and bringing it home. He didn't get tired of repeating himself. Guys, be careful because I can tell you the moment I leave, wolves are coming. Get ready. Seriously. Seriously. God repeats himself to us because he means what he says. Be merciful. Don't be afraid. Believe. Take up your cross. Stand firm. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't take him for granted. Avoid sin. And of course, underscoring all of those seven are the two greatest commandments. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor. Seriously. Seriously. Why don't we take God seriously? Why don't we listen whenever he repeats himself? (laughs) There are three kinds of people. Those who don't care. Those who don't care, they've never taken God seriously. Those who care, but not enough. They may have taken God seriously at some point. And those who care and respond, they take God seriously all of the time. I don't think Jesus spent a lot of time or energy with the ones who didn't care, group number one. He didn't. He knew that when it came to heart change, that timing was everything. And that for many of the ones that he encountered, it was just not their time. There were others that it would never be their time. They would never believe. He knew that. He spent very little time with them. The second category was a lot more important. These were the ones who cared, but not enough. These, he knew, were potentially 
in a lot of trouble. They cared enough to follow for a while. They cared enough to pray for themselves for a while. They cared enough to have paid attention to him at some point, but they did not care enough to follow through. They became distracted. They had spiritual ADHD. They chose to walk away, to let their hearts run wild in crucial moments when it counted the most, they were gone. People in this second category are described by A.W. Tozer as wanting God's help, but not his interference. We want to see God. We want to experience God, but we find it impossible to do that because we don't take him seriously. And we definitely don't want him interfering. These people lost their love. They lost their interest. They began loving God with part of their hearts and minds. They, but yet at the same time, they were divided in their love, divided in their devotion, divided in their interest to the point where seriously was no longer a relevant word to them. These are people for whom the repetitions of God simply became boring. The third category, those who care, is comprised of people that we call disciples. These are people for whom nothing else matters. Only one thing is important. These are the ones that Jesus described in Matthew 13, that parable of the pearl of great price. Here, the pearl, mi- the pearl merchant finds a pearl like no other. And he goes and he sells everything else that he has in order to buy that one pearl that is like no other. And he began the parable, Jesus did, began the parable like this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like that guy. Third category people, those who care, are like that guy. Kingdom people. There is simply nothing else for them. Speaking of repeating myself, let me share again with you the meaning of what I believe constitutes a real Christian. A Christian is simply a person who has fallen in love, plain and simple. A Christian is a person who has fallen in love. His heart has been overwhelmed. His mind has been transformed. His focus has become single. His priorities have been completely rearranged. And he will never be the same. Why? Because he has fallen in love. Who are the people in life who have done you guys the most good? Think about it. If you're like me... You remember the teachers and the coaches and parents and mentors who raised that bar really high for you, who demanded much because they saw something in you that you were capable of producing something that at that time maybe you didn't even recognize yourself. They possessed the ability to actually pull the love right out of you. 
They were the ones for whom it was no trouble to repeat certain things over and over and over because they cared for you and they really truly believed in what they were teaching. (laughs) I had a French teacher in high school, Mr. Neff. I took the man's class for four years in high school. People were terrified of this man. And they had good reason. He was a total eccentric. From the day that you entered his classroom, not a word of English was spoken. I was never Joe to him. I was Monsieur Greer. (laughs) And when we began the day, uh, each day we began with the playing of Le Marseillaise, the French national anthem. In that classroom you lived and you breathed French. You memorized rules of grammar. You studied Rousseau, Pascal, Descartes, Voltaire, until it was oozing out of your pores. You knew what French people ate, how they traveled, their idioms, their geography, their history, everything total immersion in French. Mr. Neff demanded much from us. He expected much from us. No one ever forgot being in that man's class. Most of us who were in there, ironically, got straight A's. We fell in love with French because he could pull it right out of us through repetition. I struggled in a lot of other classes in high school, I'll tell you. But I always earned A's in Monsieur Neff's class. He made me want to achieve. He expected the best from me. He refused anything less. I've never forgot the man, as you can tell. We'd be doing you guys a disservice. I'm speaking of those of us who are on staff here at Celebration Church. We we, we would be doing you a great disservice if we presented any other Jesus to you. The Jesus who demands all of your love and devotion. The Jesus who repeated himself often just so that you would know what is important. The Jesus who may be speaking to some of you here today. Saying, seriously? You love that instead of me? You want to do that instead of doing what I've asked you to do? You want to walk away from the God who loves you? Seriously? You'd give up all of this to get that? Please listen to these few sentences once again from A.W. Tozer. If the spiritual view of the world is the correct one, as Christianity boldly asserts that it is, then for every one of us, heaven is more important than earth and eternity more important than time. If Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be, if he is what the glorious company of the apostles and noble army of martyrs declared that he is, if the faith which the Holy Church throughout all the world does acknowledge is the true faith of God, then no man has any right to dedicate his life to anything that can burn, rust, rot, or die. No man has any right to give himself completely to anyone but Christ, nor to anything 
but prayer. Listen, do not underestimate the power of your choices, believers. You're writing your history right now. No matter what choices you're making, you are writing your history right now. If you make the wrong choices, it's nobody's fault but yours. You have to repeat to yourself every day, I am 100% responsible for my thoughts, my words, and my actions. I am 100% responsible. I am 100% responsible for my relationship to God and for my eternal destiny. If you struggle with saying stuff like that, then it's probably time to check your heart. Seriously. It's not that God loses patience with us. That's not why He repeats Himself. God is infinitely patient. If He wasn't, we'd all be dead, guys. Paul said, look, this is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's not a hassle. The issue is not whether I am trying God's patience. The issue is whether I love Him. Do I care? People who care do not care if God repeats Himself. They know repetition is necessary because they often forget. They are not offended by repetition. They know God cares for them. So seven areas today that God may be repeating something to your heart. Listen carefully. Be merciful. Don't be afraid. Believe. Take up your cross and stand firm. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't take Him for granted. And avoid sin. That is not a lot to remember, guys. You can do this. God is either repeating these things to you today to remind you to continue in your good good behavior. Or He is repeating these things because you haven't been listening. It's got to be one of those two things. But God will never stop repeating. He wants you to take this stuff seriously. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you this morning and we thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord God, that you took us very seriously. You did not walk away. You did not grow bored. Lord, you came with a purpose to redeem us. You loved us that much. And so, Father, help us to remember those things this morning. Lord, to not grow weary when things are repeated to us. And Lord, most of all, we pray, God, would you give us a heart with a great passion for you. Lord, expand our hearts. Do whatever you got to do to help us fall in love with the great God of this universe. And Lord, to understand how amazing it is that we can have a relationship with you. We love you with all of our hearts. We ask you to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen.